offering come on through. I want to tell you about one other thing we'll be highlighting in a, in a moment. We are in our series. Uh, it is February. Welcome to February. Uh, and we are doing identity. It is our second month. First month we do intimacy because everything that we are, everything that we experience is based on our personal relationship with God and our face-to-face relationship with God. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. And now we're in identity and next month we'll be doing our inheritance, how we walk out the inheritance of, of our father. As we are kids, we have a good father. That means we have an inheritance. And, so um, as you guys know, we do intimacy, identity, inherit, inheritance every year. And if you are doing the Still Life Handbook, you are doing this, a little bit of this every day as you process through that journey. And so we created the Still Life Handbook, making it available to you guys so that this isn't just Sunday morning messages. It's actually everyday opportunities to be able to connect with God around these topics and around these themes as we go through them. If you don't have one yet, I believe we probably have about 10, maybe a little bit less, depending on how many moved during the first gathering. But if you want a physical copy of the Still Life Handbook to go through and you enjoy the workout of turning the pages, uh, the, the handbook is out there. You can grab one for $20. But we also, good news, we have it now available in digital format. So if you want to go to our store, lwrv.org store, you can download it in digital format. You can upload it to your Kindle and you can have it on your phone or your iPad or, or, or wherever it may be that you can have your still life on the go. Uh, so we wanted you to know about that as we process through this intimacy, identity, inheritance journey. Uh, let me pray as we step into this time together. I simply want to invite Holy Spirit, this, come Holy Spirit and use this time so powerfully to reveal who you are and who we are. We thank you that you're already invading hearts and minds and this space this morning, doing the things that only you can do, and we ask that you would continue to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, so uh, I'm going to talk to you about identity, and then we're going to, that's going to give us kind of our theme and our direction for the month, and uh, so I want to first just give an overview of what Jesus accomplished and why everything that we are, everything that we talk about with identity is because of what Jesus did. So Jesus came, set us free, breathed life into us, and gave us a new identity, And so walking in that new identity is the journey that we are on right now. And so John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. That eternal life is resurrection life. And so we have been given in Christ, we have been given resurrection life. As Ephesians 2 tells us, that we were dead in our sins, that we were dead in our trespasses, and that Jesus came. But God is so rich in mercy, so rich in grace, so rich in love, that he came and he brought us to new life. So uh, I won't go so far as to lay down on the stage, but let's just say I'm dead. This is me dead. Play dead. (laughs) And even in this dead state, I still went through life. It's like zombie. You guys love zombie movies and zombie shows, right? So I'm like a zombie, and I'm going through life. And I'm interacting, I'm making choices, things are happening to me, um, I'm getting hit over the head with, with pitchforks, no, um, that's the shows you guys watch, those are bad. Uh, I'm going through zombie life, and I'm dead in that place, and yet Jesus came, lived to reveal the Father, died on the cross to take my death into himself and my sin into himself, that I would be raised to new life, as Jesus says, that I would be born again. And so the zombie, this, this, this nature, this flesh that I carry is imbued with new life, the spirit of the living God, as I invite Jesus to come and make his home in my heart and become Lord of my life, that I am born again. I am made new because he is so rich in mercy that I am made new. And so it's not the death that I carry. It is the life of Jesus that I carry. But in that place, the reality is, is we're talking about identity. So now, if I have made the decision to follow Jesus and invite him into my life and align my life with his, his spirit is in me, alive in me, and I've come to life, I have a new identity in Christ. And so as, as Galatians 2.20 says, or sorry, Colossians 1.13 says, For Jesus has rescued us from the, or God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. And Galatians 2.20, a verse that we all love, I have been crucified with Christ. So I have died with Christ. 
my death, my zombie state has been taken into Jesus. And as he died, that died with him. And as he rose again, now I'm invited into that resurrection life. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then 2 Corinthians 5.17 goes on to say this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new, they are a new creation, or the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. And so that reality of saying, my life, if you will con- allow me to continue this illustration, my zombie life has now been reset and reframed in the life of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior, and I've been made new. Everything has been made new. But the problem is, is that my life, my journey still has all of those experiences, still has all of those memories, still has all of those things that have happened to me, all of those ways of thinking, all of those ways of surviving, all of that stuff still is attached to me, if you will. Even if it's only attached to me in the way that I think, it still comes along with me into my new nature in Christ. And so I've been given an entirely new nature in Christ. My, my, my old nature has been crucified, has been buried with him, and I have now come to life in him. But that journey of identity is now just beginning. Am I going to identify with my old ways of thinking, my old patterns of life, the way that I used to get things done, the way that I used to get my needs met, the way that I used to attach my belonging to? Am I going to go with that reality? Or am I going to say yes to this new life of Jesus that he's saying, I want to establish your identity in something entirely different. I want to establish your identity in me. It is no longer you who lives, but it is me, Jesus Christ, it is me who lives in you and through you. And so that is the crux. That is the the tension point of our journey into identity. Jesus has completed the work. We receive that completed work by faith in agreement with him and allowing him and inviting him to be Lord of our life and our heart. And then we step into that new identity that he has invited us to. And as you know, that's like the easiest thing ever, right? We just go, oh, this is so easy. It's so perfect. I have it all figured out. There's none of that old residue, that old patterns. There's none of that. No, the, the, the thing is, is that we have to face that tension point as that transformation takes place. See, religion wants to tell you that when you come to Jesus, all of your past is just cut off and gone. You don't even have to deal with it anymore. Pretend it's not even there. It's all under the blood. Sorry. Uh, And so we make these silly statements that make people feel like they have to cut themselves off from their journey and from their reality. And we say, no, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. Well, then why am I still in this tension point? Why am I still struggling with this thing? Why is my mind still not in that place? And so we have to be able to say that there is a supernatural reality, a spiritual dynamic, something that has taken place that is far beyond our ability to comprehend. Yet on the physical realm, there is still a reality of what we are saying. We want to walk out this identity. And while religion says, you just cut it off, forget about it, move forward, move forward, everything's forward, go, 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 and we're like straining to move forward in Jesus, Uh, instead of realizing that when he says everything is made new, that is actually his power, his transformative power being invited into your story, into your hurt, into your pain, into your history, that he says, I want to make that new, I want to make that new, I want you to see what sanctification looks like by allowing me to walk back with you into that journey and into those places so that you can experience what it looks like to be made new, that you don't have to carry shame. When we hide and cut things off from us, we have shame in that area. When we invite Jesus to meet us in that place and we see his light transform that, then we don't have shame anymore. We're set free from shame and from guilt. And so the transformative work of walking in the identity of Christ is so much more than just a religious performance. It's so much more than just doing the right things. What we're talking about here is an open invitation for Jesus to meet you wherever you are at whatever point that you're in and saying, I want my identity to come alive in that place, 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 and that we would have this absolute yes to Jesus. That's what I want for every single one of us as we experience this journey into identity. And so what Jesus did was he set us free, he made us new, he called us to life in him. And because of that calling to life in him, we are now invited into intimacy with God. That's what we're talking about. His spirit breathed into us to be made new. Okay, And so in that place of intimacy, as we talked about last month, we have this reality of a face-to-face invitation through Jesus 
to be, to be face-to-face with God. So that's why we love to use 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We have to understand that in this reality is an invitation to intimacy in this verse. In this verse is an invitation to process, right? Transformed, that we would be transformed by his glory, standing face to face with him because of the completed work of Christ that he says, that we, as we looked at Hebrews, that Jesus said, my life and my death, my blood and my body, torn and broken, was the veil that you now enter into the presence of God through my sacrifice, through my life, through, my, through the veil of Jesus. And so what happens is, is that through Jesus, we're able to now say yes to an invitation of intimacy that we can go to the Father, we can go to God anytime, any place, all the time, all the places, and we can be face-to-face with him. That should be the reality of our life, not just a 30-minute morning time. The reality of our life is that I walk and I move in the throne room, that I am invited into that throne room to receive grace and mercy whenever I need, which is all the time. Anybody not need it all the time? No, all the time. So you are actually walking, carrying throne room. You're carrying it, you're walking in it everywhere you go, that open invitation through the life of Jesus to intimacy, that level of intimacy that is transformative to your identity journey. Because as you stand before him without guilt, Jesus dealt with guilt, Jesus dealt with shame, he dealt with every accusation against you, he dealt with everything, and he, 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 as he removed all of that, you now have this access to God. And in that place of intimacy, you contemplate the Lord's glory, his goodness, his power, and you are transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That is what intimacy does to bring us into identity. Intimacy is the invitation and the work of Jesus to bring us face-to-face, and then the transformative work of identity is that because of his glory, we are becoming more and more like him. And so the revelation that we have becomes so personal. You cannot have a revelation of God and say, uh, this is for someone else, or I don't know about going into that throne room, or I don't know if I want personal revelation of God, because if we don't have that personal revelation of God, if we don't have the yes on our lips, on our hearts to walk into that place, there will not be an opportunity for that transformative work to take place. Jesus has a story in, in the Gospels that we use, and you guys will go through this in the still life. We talk about this Um, as we love teaching this message, but in Matthew 16, there's a story, and Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and he says, hey, disciples, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asks, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered him, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this truth of revelation of who Jesus is, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So the reality in this story, you see a few things that I want to unpack for you. First of all is that there was revelation that, G- that Peter had of who Jesus was. And that personal revelation is what I'm talking about and inviting every single one of us into is that we would carry that level of personal revelation of who Jesus is. That we would not say, some say that you're this, some say that you're like this, I've heard that you're like this, I went to a church and they told me you were like this, my wife tells me that you're like this. My parents said that you're like this. This is how I should interact with you. And so what we're doing is we're displacing the invitation for intimacy by creating this distance of saying, well, I've heard that you're this way and I've heard that you're that way. And the problem is, is that Jesus wasn't looking for what some people said about him. He wanted to follow up the question. And the follow-up question is, who do you say that I am? And I think that's the reality of where we are this morning in our journey to identity is that it's easy for us to say, oh, I don't know about this whole personal revelation thing, this face-to-face thing, and, and so we distance and say, you, we, I've heard you like this, I've heard you like this, I've heard you like this, but he wants to grab us by the face and say, but who, you, who am I to you? Who am I to you? Who am I to you? And when you can say, you are Christ, you are the Messiah, I see you for myself because of the completed work of Jesus, I can come into your presence, and I see who you are, and I can declare by revelation 
not by something that someone said to me, but by revelation, I have this intimacy and this personal connection with you, and I say, this is who you are, then the reality is that from that place, your identity is then released back to you. That's what happened to Peter. Oh, who, who are you? You're this. And he said, blessed are you, because now that you've had the, this revelation of who I am, I can now release to you who you are. Our journey of identity is about this. Are you willing to have personal intimacy with God to the extent that you walk in a fresh revelation of who he is that actually releases back to you who you are? That's, sec- that's the Corinthians 3 that we're talking about, being transformed as we are face-to-face with him, that there would be this ever-increasing exchange. God, this is who you are to me. And the more that we realize who he is to us, the more that we realize who we are in him. That's identity, and that's that, that root level reality of how he begins to speak who you are and then invites you to rise to it in faith and that you would hear who he is and you would hear who he says that you are and that you would step into that. In Luke 4 is another story that we love to use in the New Testament as we talk about this, this subject of identity. And if you guys haven't read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, it's a book that I love and, and uh, we've been reading it around here for about 15 years and I would ask you to stop reading whatever you're reading and go get Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and read that book. And you're like, but I'm reading Matthew. I don't, yeah, it's fine. Just go read <laughs> Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and then come back and read Matthew. Uh, but in this book, it's, it's an incredible book, and it talks a little bit about this story. And a lot of what we do with identity comes out of, out of that book. And, um, and, he, and they talk about this story of Jesus being baptized. So if you guys will remember with me, I'll tell the story again. John the Baptist was Jesus' older cousin, and he was the, he was the forerunner to Jesus. And he was, the, he was saying, declaring the Messiah. And, and he was out preaching one day, and as he would preach, people would, be, uh, would come and get baptized. So they would say, we, listen, we believe in what you're saying, and we want to get baptized. We want to prepare our hearts to, for the Messiah who's coming. And so then he was baptizing people, baptizing people, and then Jesus shows up. He's like, hey, John, uh, cousin John, baptize me. And John's like, no, I'm not going to baptize you. You're the Messiah. I shouldn't baptize you. And so they haggle back and forth, and then he agrees, so he baptizes Jesus. Okay, and I want you to watch what happens in this moment because this is powerful. Remember back to that journey of revelation, releasing uh, identity of, back into that person and just how that pushes into this reality. So Jesus comes up out of the water of being baptized and the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descends and rests on Jesus. And then a voice, an audible voice that they could hear says, this is my son whom I love and him I am well pleased. I'm proud of And in that moment, Jesus has this experiential reality of being affirmed as God's son. And God meets him in that place, pours his spirit out upon him, and speaks identity over him. And so immediately, Jesus goes and begins his ministry, right? No. Jesus didn't go from that place of affirmation of identity straight into ministry. He went into this desert place, and it says, after he was baptized and after this happened, the Spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the accuser, the liar, came to him and said, after he had fasted for 40 days and began to attack these truths that the Father had just spoken over him. So what we mistake when we hear this story is that we think that, that, the, that the accuser was coming just to get Jesus to sin. If I can get him to make a mistake, I'll win the universe. Man. <laughs> and I think that some of us live our faith out like this where we think that the enemy is actually after our life to try to get us to sin, to behave inappropriately, to make a mistake. The reality was that the enemy wasn't after Jesus to get him to sin. The enemy was after Jesus to get him to give up those points that the Father had just spoken over him. And when you're up against temptation, when the enemy's lying to you and coming after you, he's not trying to get you to do something dumb. He's trying to give, get you to give up your destiny. He's trying to get you to give up the truth of who you are, who the Father sees you to be, who the Father speaks over you, what you are called into, and who you can walk as. And we think, oh, I just have to behave. It's not about behaving. It's about being alive to what the Father says and who the Father sees you to be. 
And so Jesus, in these places where the enemy came and said, turn these rocks into bread, or look at all these things I can give you if you'll just bow down and worship me, or I'll throw you, or jump down off this temple in front of everybody and show them how protected you are. You're God's son, and they'll worship you. He gave him, offered him all these shortcuts to places where God was actually calling him to walk towards, and gave him these lies, and, and, and Jesus said, no, that's not who my father is calling me to be. And so each one of those points of temptation became a battleground for his identity to be established. The reality is, is that when God speaks identity over you, it's not an authority place, it's not an established place in your life until it's been challenged. So it can become theory, but until someone comes and says, I want that place, I want to push back on you in that place, and I want to push back on what the Father said about you, and you go, oh yeah, you're right, I don't know what I, why did I think that I could do that? Why did I think that I could walk in the authority of the Father? Why did I think that I would have a call in my life? Who, you're right, you know what, just take that spot. And we push back, we step back from these places where God has called us to step into. And so like Jesus, when those places are when they are pushed against, they become established. And in your life, when those things are pushed against, they become established if you remain in them and you don't run from them. So this reality of Jesus coming into the wilderness and then being challenged in his identity of what the Father had just spoken over him. You are my son, I love you, and I'm proud of you. You are not going to be defined by what you can do. You're not going to be defined by by what you have. You're not going to be defined by what people think of you. So Jesus had this moment of transaction where he was able to release any of those lies against his identity and step into his authority. And so it says that Jesus went out into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. But when he came back out of the wilderness, he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. When he came out of the wilderness, it says that he was moved in the power of the Spirit. And I just contend with you, for you today, to say it is when your identity is established in God, but then it is also challenged in those places that you are able to rise to your authority and to the power of God in those places of what he says over you, but not until you've been willing to walk into the wilderness and have those things challenged. Because our false self, the false self that I was talking about earlier, that zombie person still wants to rise up and still wants to get its needs met certain ways and wants to be found to, I have it all together here, I've got enough here, I want people like me. I have enough in my bank account, I drive the right car. Or we make our identity into our failure. My past determines who I am. My failure, my struggle determines who I am. No, the only thing that determines who you are by revelation and the work of Jesus Christ is what the Father says and speaks over you. That is your identity. Beginning, middle, end, period. But we have to stand in it. And when those lies come, those familiar lies come against you, You have to stand against those, and you will find that in standing in what the Father speaks over you, that those will break on your life, and then you'll walk out of that place in power and in authority, because you know what you only believed before. You now know experientially and from reality that you can stand in your identity, and that's the powerful, beautiful process of what takes place, the death of our false self. I am what I do. I am what I have. I am what people think of me. So my question for you this morning, and uh, I'm going to have the worship team come back up here in just a minute, and, um, and as they get situated, I want us to go back into a time of worship, but I have a couple things that I want us to do before we do that. I want to ask you this question. Have you answered Jesus' question, who do you say I am? Have you answered it from a personal place, or have you answered it with some say? When Jesus says, who do you say I am? Who am I to you? Can you answer it from a place of personal revelation or are you answering it with that? Some say this, some say you're this, and some say you're like this. Because I believe with all of my heart that Jesus wants to meet you this morning personally and powerfully and give you a fresh revelation, removing the veil, stepping into your life, and just showing you who he is. That when when he says to you, who am I to you, that you'll be able to say back to him, those special, intimate things that he's revealed of himself to you. Not some say this and some say that. I think that we rely too often on other people's voices, on other people's experiences, and on other people telling us how to interact with God and what he's like. 
I want, I want this month of identity to be a fresh journey for every single one of us. That we'd say, this is who you are. And he will say back to you, that's right. That's who I am. And because you're living from revelation, let me begin to show you who you are. Would you guys close your eyes for a minute? Everybody close your eyes. I just want there to be a point of privacy for a moment. If you're in this place this morning and you know that you're answering that question, who do you say that I am? With some say you're this and some say you're that and you don't have that personal revelation to be able to answer from. Would you raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. Eyes are closed. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that this would be a a beginning, a marking point of a journey that calls you into the wilderness. Raise your hands and you can put them back down. You can leave them up. Whatever works. I just want to be able to pray for you. Jesus, come alive. We speak to these lives. Come alive, come alive, come alive. These places that we have settled, for some say, we've settled back from out of places of intimacy and revelation. Come alive. Let your spirit pour out right now, God in this place, on every single one of these hearts and lives that are just declaring, I want to see you for myself. I want to see you for myself. I'm tired of a veil of guilt. I'm tired of a veil of shame. I'm tired of a veil of my history. I'm tired of a veil of, uh, of my struggle or whatever it might be, keeping me from personal revelation of you. And we ask God that you would break those off of every single life right now, that shackles would be hitting the floor that are holding us back that blinders that have been on us would be falling off of us and that you would be stepping through that veil and embracing each one of these people and pulling them into your heart and saying, I can't wait to show you who I am. Come, Holy Spirit. Make yourself known. Make yourself known. second question I have for you this morning is this. Are you allowing yourself to be led into a desert place? That those places that the Father is speaking identity over you would be challenged and that he would meet you in that place and that you would see those, pl- those points of identity established, that you would walk out of that desert place in power. It's not enough just to be full of head knowledge and full of this and full of that. We want that to be transformed into the power and the authority of knowing who we are. Here's how I want you to answer that question. I feel like God is meeting us here this morning and calling us into wilderness places, not that we would fear, ever fear the wilderness. Fully understanding that it might take some releasing, it might take some pain, it might take some surgery, it might take some laying things down, it might take some repentance as we walk out into that place and it's just us and him. We fully understand that, but I want us to look at it as an opportunity for joy as the fullness of life is poured out into us and that we walk out of that place completely rooted and established in him. So here's how I want us to answer this question today. You guys have that sheet that I gave you, and on it, if you guys will pull that out right now, on it is a list. At the top it says, who are you? And it's a list of invitations. Each one of these is an invitation to the wilderness. Each one of these is an invitation to establish your identity on this biblical, scriptural truth, but it might take a journey. So he's saying, come away. Come away. Come away from that false self that wants to say, you're only worth what you can do. You're only worth what you have. You're only worth what people think of you. You're only as good as yesterday's struggle. You're only as good as the things that are falling apart in your life. He wants you to leave that identity, those identity pieces behind and come away with him. And so as you're reading through this list, I'm believing that Holy Spirit's going to highlight one of these. And when he highlights one, I want your yes to simply be this. Would you stand up? And we're going to join in a time of worship that starts with a yes to the journey. Find that one that you know that he's inviting you into. 
and say, yes, Holy Spirit, work through this paper. <laughs> let, let the light of heaven just highlight one of these for each one of us that maybe directly contradicts a lie that we're believing about our identity and we're ready. We're ready to be led by you into the wilderness. To meet with you until this is an absolute truth of my life. We want to know you. We want to experience you. We want these truths to be absolutely foundational to our life. Show us Call us, woo us into the wilderness with you.
invitation that's being extended to every single one of you. It's not by accident that that particular promise stuck out to you because it's a direct contradiction to a lie that you have been living. And it's so powerful that he is saying, I want, I want that space. I want that spot. This is my truth that I want to mark your life. And so as your yes to walk into this is such a beautiful shift that's going to take place in your life. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, it says in James. Whenever you're invited into the wilderness, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I implore you, I challenge you, I encourage you. One of the reasons that we don't see the fullness of growth that we desire is because we are people who live in a culture where we have forgotten what it means to persevere. We get one half mile into the wilderness and we're like, nope, hungry, tired. I got to go do this. I got to do that. Listen, by faith, persevere. Keep walking into those wilderness places. He is taking you there. He is meeting you there. He is faithful to do the work that needs to be done there. Let's not be a part of a culture who has to have everything microwaved and handed to them on a platter. There are times when you have to go on a 40-day journey to meet the truth of who Jesus is, to break off the lies that you've been walking in. Listen, we have a month ahead of us on identity. I don't know how many days are left. It's a leap year, so what? There's like 28 days left, I guess. We have a journey ahead of us. Please come with me. Let's do this together. Let's go to these places where we're being invited, and let's not turn back so quick. When things get hard and things get difficult and things that are comfortable, and this is who I am and this is who I've always been, when those are challenged, keep going forward. The enemy wants to come and he's going to lie to you. But here's the cool thing about this. Is that so often where the enemy lies to you, it is simply an indicator of where freedom is coming. And so he's actually playing his hand and revealing to you where God is actually at work by the fact that he's lying to you in that place. Keep persevering. Keep walking forward. Keep going. Keep going. He's calling you into the wilderness that you would be mature and complete and not lacking anything. You are who God says you are. You have what God says you have, and you can do what God says that you can do. And I want you to stop conceding defeat in the area of identity. Stop conceding defeat in the area of identity. I'm asking God to give us a holy discontent with any part of our life that is still existing in that false self that says, I am what I have, I am what I do, I am what people think of me, I am my past, I am my failure, I am my struggle. Break that off of us, God. Let us be discontent, completely and utterly discontent with anything that we are wearing that has not been placed on us from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Go Chiefs. I almost wore my Chiefs jersey. I told Alex last night, I was like, what if I wear my jersey and then just take my jacket off at the end? Just like that.
Turns to morning. You have been waiting, whispering to me. Gently, I'm waking. It's the dawn of a new day. You painted for me. Colors exploding. Telling our story You've painted 
Mercy sings, we will promise of 